Welcome to the first ever episode of Jersey Watch. My name is Dalton Fortner. I am your host. I will be breaking down Jersey news across all sports. But for today, we will be going over the Atlanta Hawks' new uniform changes, along with things that did and did not surprise me so far this season. And we will also be focusing on one new item that will be on every Statement Edition jersey this upcoming season. So let's jump right in, starting off with the Atlanta Hawks. After just five seasons, the Hawks say goodbye to the Volt Green and Triangle patterns and say hello to their historic past. The team's ownership had hinted at a possible uniform change last fall and left fans guessing all year long until last week. Over the past few years, the team has been in rebuild mode. So far, it is proving to be successful with additions of players like John Collins, Trey Young, Kevin Herter, and last offseason adding DeAndre Hunter and Cam Reddish through the draft. With a fresh young team, it was only a matter of time until the fresh new lineup of jerseys would come along to match. The Atlanta Hawks released a color palette of Torch Red, Infinity Black, Granite Gray, and Legacy Yellow which are elements from the team's golden era of the 80s and 90s. The new color scheme will now match the Hawks' 2K League team and their G League affiliate, the College Park Skyhawks. With that said, the Hawks released three uniforms, the Icon, Association, and Statement Edition uniforms. The Icon Edition jersey, which is red, will feature the new Atlanta wordmark across the chest, instead of the ATL wordmark that was on the red uniform last season. This jersey will also feature the new Hawks wordmark logo on the waistband of the shorts. The association jersey, which is white, will also feature the new Atlanta wordmark on the chest, kind of like how they did with the old jersey set, having Atlanta on both the home and main road options. Fun fact, the numbers on the word font and styles on the new jerseys are a throwback to the Hawks font and number style of the 50s and 60s uniforms. Lastly, we have the Statement Edition jersey, which is black and is considered the fan favorite by the majority of Hawks fans, including myself. This jersey has the new Hawks wordmark across the chest, which marks the first time since the 2013-14 season where the Hawks wordmark had been on one of the three main jersey options. This, of course, excludes the City Editions and Retros. This jersey also marks the first of all statement jerseys this season that will have the Jordan logo instead of the Nike logo. So while saying goodbye to the old jerseys, they also say goodbye to some old logos as well. Most notably, the Atlanta Hawks Basketball Club logo, which is one of my favorite logos personally. I don't really understand why they took it out. When they did the revamp in 2015, they really made a big deal of making this one of their main logos, Uh, but this time around they seem to have kind of backed away from that approach and slowly pulled it out of the rotation. Also, the ATL logo was revamped along with the ATL wordmark, which was taken off the main jersey options this season. Um, The revamped ATL logo can be found on the waistband of the Statement Edition shorts, 
The ATL wordmark had been prominent on the team's red alternate uniforms from 2007 to 2020. I believe that the ATL wordmark could make a return to the front of a City Edition uniform for the Hawks in the future, but I think for this upcoming season we will probably see a white version of the Peachtree City Edition jersey from this past season. Jersey review time! So for these jerseys, of course they're from 1 to 10. I'm giving the new Hawks jerseys an 8. I am. I would have given them a nine out of ten, which is what I gave the old Hawks jerseys that they had that they just replaced. But I minus one point because retros. Everyone this year has gone retro. We see it in the NFL. We've seen it in baseball this past year. Everyone's going retro. I feel like the Hawks jumped on that train, and they didn't really need to. So for that reason, I'm giving them an eight out of ten. But moving on from that, let's move into things that did and did not surprise me. Uh, this is kind of restart edition, uh, but not really. Uh, let's start off. Number one, the refs. The refs did surprise me. I was watching the Lakers-Clippers game the other night um, for the restart, and I was a little bit surprised of the amount of offensive fouls called and traveling violations called. Normally, it's not something you would see in a game, or at least not that much in a game. So I went back and looked. Lakers and Clippers combined had a total of eight offensive fouls and seven traveling violations. I find that really hard to believe that they got seven traveling violations. Especially when, because I looked at yesterday's game with James Harden and the Rockets versus Luka and the Magic, they had zero. In that whole game, there were zero traveling violations, and James Harden played 43 minutes. Now, somebody needs to explain that one to me, because I cannot believe that in 43 minutes, no referee caught Harden with any traveling violations. I could have caught Harden within five minutes probably with three or four traveling violations. But we won't get into that. Also, the Jazz Pelicans game on Thursday night had 10 offensive fouls, but they had zero traveling violations called in that game. I found that in, I found that really interesting, just the high volume of offensive fouls. It's not something we had seen a whole lot of on the NBA level, at least not in the past few years, and not consistently. But... Overall, there was a total of 45 offensive fouls in the first two days of play and a total of 26 traveling violations. Over the first eight games that were played on both Thursday and Friday, that makes it an average of 5.3 offensive fouls per game and 3.3 traveling violations per game, which is just flat out ridiculous. Refs surprised me 100 percent next on my list of things that did and did not surprise me number two is bobo did not surprise me bobo is a first year player he was drafted in the second round pick 44 he is 7-2 with a 7-8 wingspan that is ridiculous in his first three games which were the first three scrimmage games for the Denver Nuggets versus the Wizards he had 16 points versus the Pelicans he had 15 points and versus the Magic he had 10 points 
But in the Magic game, I believe he was the sixth highest scorer on the team in that game. Um, Bobo is a talent, and I feel like he got passed up on big time in the NBA draft. Pick 44. There's no way you can tell me 43 players in that draft are better than Bobo. I took a look at the top 10, and it's hard to argue really with the top 10 besides like the Pelicans got Jackson Hayes. I think that's one of the ones you could argue, or Jarrett Culliver, who was traded to the Timberwolves by the Suns. Um, Those are two players you could argue in the top 10. Even the Cavs getting Darius Garland at pick number five, you could argue that. But looking at Bobo, when he played at Oregon in college, he played in nine games, and in those nine games, he averaged 21 points, 9.6 rebounds, and one assist. He shot 56% from the field, 52% from three, while going 75% from the free throw line. Now, those are pretty good numbers. I would say he's at least a top 15 draft pick from there alone, especially given his height and wingspan. Uh, But... I don't see anybody that couldn't have been replaced by Bobo on this list. Like, Bobo could have easily replaced the Hornets' number 12 pick, P.J. Washington, or the Celtics' Romeo Langford at number 14. He even could have replaced the Hawks' 10th pick with Cam Reddish. I think he's better than Cam Reddish. I'm I'm a huge Hawks fan, but honestly, I'd rather have Bobo than Cam Reddish. I think it just makes better sense. It gives us length at center that can run up and down the floor and shoot threes. But overall, Bobo, there are not 43 players better than Bobo, and I feel like in the first three scrimmage games, he has proven he is definitely in the top 10 of rookies this year. Lastly, on my list of things that did and did not surprise me, I have the Knicks coach hiring of Tom Thibodeau. This did not surprise me. The Knicks, they signed him to a five-year contract. He will be their 31st coach in franchise history. I think it is a good hire, but at the wrong time. Uh, Granted, Tom Thibodeau has coached a multitude of players from Derrick Rose to Jimmy Butler, Carl Anthony Towns, but I mean, I just think it is the wrong time. Tom Thibodeau is a 2010-11 coach of the year. He is the type of coach you get when you are ready to win, not the type of coach you get when you are ready to rebuild, which I feel like the Knicks have been rebuilding forever. I feel like the Knicks have been trying to avoid the rebuild mindset since the 2013 playoffs, which I believe was their last playoff appearance. May have been 2012. But anyway, the Knicks need to do something different. Like I said, good hire, wrong time. They could have gone with a multitude of different options. They had talked to uh, former Nets coach Kenny Atkinson and got permission from the Lakers to talk to Frank Vogel's assistant and former Nets head coach Jason Kidd. Um, I feel like Kenny Atkinson probably would have been the best fit considering what he did in Brooklyn. He basically took everything that Brooklyn had gave him since they traded everything to Boston, and he made the culture of a winning culture with a team that had no superstars, and I feel like that played into the fact um, of them getting Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant in free agency. The Nets had a young core that was decently good making the playoffs, but they didn't have any stars, and I feel like that was appealing to them. 
I feel like that's also why it wasn't appealing to go to the Knicks. It's because, yes, they had young players, but they weren't young players playing well and making the playoffs under a consistent system. It seemed to go everywhere. Nothing was put together. Nothing was working together. All the wheels were clogged with different things in the Knicks organization. Now, the Knicks also could have hired Mike Brown, Mike Woodson, Mike Miller, who was the interim coach for David Fisdale after David was fired for a 4-18 and start. I personally am a fan of David Fisdale. I don't think he should have been fired. The Knicks have other problems. I don't think it was all Fisdale's fault, but that's another conversation. As far as the roster goes, Tom has a history of working his players very hard. And I think this could pay off for this roster, but it would have to work flawlessly. Some of the players on the Knicks roster right now include R.J. Barrett, Taj Gibson, Kevin Knox, Maurice Harkless, who was a good signing, um, Alfred Payton, Bobby Portis. I'm a big fan of Bobby Portis. I think he deserves a second chance to be a second or third option guy, um, but I don't think him being on the Knicks is going to help him improve his reputation as far as that goes. They also have Julius Randle and Mitchell Robinson. The one player I am actually excited to see work with Coach Thibbs is Dennis Smith Jr. from NC State. I actually got to see him play at North Carolina State. I'm a I'm not a huge fan of Dennis Smith Jr., but I feel like Tom is the definite best coach for him. I think he can really bring out his intensity and make him more like a Derrick Rose type player, hopefully minus the injuries, but I am excited to see him under Tom. The other guys on the roster, we'll have to just see how it plays out, but like I said, good hire, wrong time, and we'll see if the Knicks continue on the path they've always been on. (laughs) All right, lastly on the show today, I told you we would talk about the special uh, new addition to the Statement Edition jerseys for this upcoming season, which has been announced to be the Jordan logo. Now, previously on all uniforms besides the Charlotte Hornets, of course, which have the Jordan logo on it, um, all the 29 other teams had all had Nike logos on their jerseys. Uh, The only other jerseys besides the Charlotte Hornets that had the Jordan logo on it was the All-Star jerseys uh, for the past few years. Um, But this is a big move. Uh, Jordan will be on every Statement Edition uniform. That means one out of, that means one uniform for each team will at least have the Jumpman logo on it. And I got to thinking, how are certain fans responding to this? I know me as a Hawks fan, I don't mind it being on the Hawks Statement Edition uniform. I think it looks really cool. Um, As you guys probably know by now, I am from North Carolina. Um, Did grow up a Carolina basketball fan, so I'm not against the Jordan logo being on the Hawks jerseys. But man, are some fans upset. The Pistons fans are so upset. Everything I've seen on the internet... Um, Different fans posting, commenting, (laughs) making memes about the Jordan logo being on the Pistons jerseys. If I was a Pistons fan with that history, you know, going against Jordan and all that, I would be really upset myself. Um, I also looked into the Utah Jazz. Um, They weren't really focused as much 
on the Jordan thing. I haven't heard a lot of jazz being jazz fans being upset about the Jordan logo being on the new jerseys, but they might. I'm sure some of them. I'm sure like Carl Malone might be a little bit upset that Michael's logo is going to be on the Utah Jazz uniforms. But uh, I would love to hear from Isaiah Thomas exactly what his thoughts are. I feel like that would make a fantastic interview. Uh, but one more thing to add on the jerseys for this year. Uh, back in May, Jazz former coach Jerry Sloan passed away. Um, the Jazz have, since then, since they entered the bubble, have been wearing a patch that says 1223, which is honoring uh, Jerry Sloan's career wins. The Utah Jazz will continue to wear that throughout their postseason run. All right, that is all for today. Uh, You can catch a new episode next week when me and my special guests dive into some of the NFL jersey changes for the upcoming season. Always feel free to follow us on Instagram at Jersey Addiction and on Twitter at Addiction Jersey. You can also reach me by email at jerseyaddict13 at gmail.com for questions or content recommendations for teams or jerseys you would like to see covered on the show. I'm your host, Dalton Fortner, and this has been Jersey Watch.